Good morning. Today, we are going to be challenged again by Jesus. All of us will naturally want to keep certain people at a distance. Jesus is going to set before us a decision, either to exclude or embrace. And we'll see that the decision we make about others will have an impact on our relationship with Jesus. The parable we'll learn from is a timely one, especially given the divisions we see in our country right now and the strong impulse we are feeling to separate from those with whom we disagree. In this week behind us, I've been involved in more conversations about divisive subjects than any week I can remember. Politics, race, justice, where we are as a nation, assessments of how we got here, and proposals for how to move forward. All of it has uncovered an impulse in me that Jesus wants to challenge. You see, when I talk about divisive subjects, I instinctively identify myself with the people who think like me, and then I vilify the people who do not. In my imagination, I put them in an opposing camp, and I want to keep them away and be with my people. And it seems to me just about everyone I've talked to across the spectrum does the same thing. Now, in order to hear Jesus' challenge, I want you to identify the people who you want to push away. The parable we'll study this morning will challenge our impulse to exclude and push us to embrace as God embraces. It was first told by Jesus in a tense and uncomfortable moment around a dinner table. The question of who is embraced and who is excluded from God's fellowship came up. Jesus and his friends had been invited to share a meal at the home of a prominent religious leader. It was customary to bring traveling teachers into your home to give them the honor of a seat at your table and to test their views during the dinner conversation. The Pharisee who hosted this meal wanted to check up on Jesus to get a clearer picture of his theological convictions, to hear how he would answer the big questions. Get him at the table, keep your eyes on him, and listen carefully. As the food is set out, Jesus begins to teach. Lessons aimed at pushing folks toward the right pathways. He gets to the subject of who should be included at banquets like this one. Most people only invite those who can pay them back. Don't do that, Jesus says. When you host a banquet, leave out the people who can repay you. Invite those who cannot instead. Then you will receive the kind of reward that really matters. Everyone is silent. He adds, Invite the poor, the blind, the lame, and the crippled to sit with you. Now the atmosphere is tense. Because it's obvious that the people Jesus lists are not around that table. Because the Pharisee who hosts the meal does not include people like that. You know what it's like when you sit down with your extended family and someone brings up politics or says, let's talk about social injustice, structural inequalities, racial issues. Jesus' comment about who to include made everyone tense. So one of the guests breaks the silence 
with a comment that is really a veiled question to Jesus. Look with me at Luke 14, verse 15. One of the dinner guests, on hearing this, said to him, Blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. To eat bread in the kingdom of God means to be welcomed by God himself into the eternal pleasure of life forever. To have passed through death and suffering into everlasting enjoyment, and there to be received and welcomed and accepted and embraced by the God who made you and who is the judge of the whole world. Let's leave aside the question of who gets a seat around this table now, the man is saying, and hear Jesus' thoughts about who gets a seat at the table of God's in the end. Who will receive the gift of eternal life and enjoy the benefits of being with God forever? Who will be welcomed into God's kingdom, he's asking? Who will be embraced and who will be excluded? What do you think about that, Jesus? Now, Jesus answers the man's question with a parable. And the first part of his story addresses an assumption in the minds of everyone around that table. We all know we'll be at the banquet, they think. We'd like to know your thoughts about who else will be included. Before we see the parable, what do you think about who will be there? Who gets a place at God's table? Will you be there? Maybe you're not sure. Maybe you believe in Jesus, but you wonder if there will be a seat for you. Maybe if you make some changes, but the jury is still out as far as you can tell. Or or maybe for you, there's no question at all. You believe in God, and because of who you've been, you're sure you lost your chance for being included a long time ago. Or maybe it's neither of these for you. Maybe you think the whole thing is made up by people in power to control the masses. If that's you, keep an open mind until you hear Jesus' story. I know that when I think of it, I trust a seat will be set for me. Not because of anything I've done or because I've been especially good, but because Jesus lived and died and was raised for all people and therefore for me too. And I trust him. And I strive to walk each step with Jesus as my Lord. And I believe by his grace, he's made a place for me at his table. So I expect I'll be there when I imagine that banquet. The question Jesus is going to put to me and to you too, if you'll let him, is who do you want to keep away from that table? Let's look at the story. This is verse 16. Then Jesus said to them, Someone gave a great dinner and invited many. At the time for the dinner, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. When a nobleman hosts a banquet, the first step is the invitations. He makes a list of who he wants around his table. In this case, the dinner is great, so the list is long. The invitations go out, responses are gathered, and preparations are made according to how many accept. 
Contracts will have been drawn up with the local farms, and once everything is in hand, the nobleman sends his servants out a second time to announce that the banquet is ready. It's time to come. Watch what happens. Verse 18. But they all alike began to make excuses. Everyone who was invited and had promised to attend chose not to come along when the time actually arrived. All of them excused themselves from showing up. They said yes at first, but when it came down to it, they decided not to join the banquet. Apparently, accepting the invitation does not mean you will be there when the meal is served. Now, Jesus elaborates on three excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of land, and I must go out and see it. Please, accept my regrets. This is a poor excuse for not attending a banquet, because it can't possibly be true. No one would ever buy a piece of land without first going to see it. Buying property involves a process of observation that takes months, maybe years to complete. This man is lying and insulting the hospitality of the host, excluding himself from the banquet for no good reason. Verse 19 shows a second excuse. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I am going to try them out. Please accept my regrets. Another very poor excuse, as obvious as the first one. A yoke of oxen is two animals tethered together by a large wooden collar that fits over their shoulders. Only when the animals are perfectly paired are they worth the investment. They have to have the same strength and stamina and temperaments. No one would ever buy even one yoke of oxen without testing them out first. Buying five and then testing them afterward would never happen. Jesus shows a third excuse in verse 20. Another said, I have just been married, and therefore I cannot come. This man doesn't even ask to be excused, and the reason he offers is not only unrealistic, it's also rude, especially in this culture where no one ever hints at what happens after you get married. I've got a new wife, so I'll be busy. All three excuses are really shallow and inconsiderate, unkind and insulting to the host, but most importantly, they're also really foolish. Because each one represents a tragic loss for the one invited, since in each case, he loses the chance to sit at the nobleman's table, the opportunity for a great meal with good company and the pleasure of a fine celebration is simply passed up and really all for nothing. Now, if the men around the table where Jesus first told this story were tracking carefully, they would realize that this banquet story was about them. Jesus was retelling their history as members of the people of Israel. God's chosen ones who had received his gracious invitation to sit with him at his table as his beloved guests with a good mission to carry out in the world. 
Their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, had said yes to the invitation, but then the story of Israel was the story of a tragic failure to follow through with that acceptance and come to the banquet. A cycle of turning away from God in doubt and second-guessing, refusing to give their whole hearts to Him and holding back instead. Honoring God with their lips while staying far off in their souls, making a fine show of it when gathered for worship in the temple, but then neglecting the most basic duties of hospitality and kindness and justice and equity and holiness in relationship to their neighbors. Their pattern of faithlessness was like one drawn-out, shallow, and foolish excuse saying yes to God's invitation, but then choosing not to show up at the banquet when the time came, all in exchange for nothing. Now, Jesus wants the men around that table to wake up. So they will not just say yes, but come to the banquet. And listen carefully to me now. He wants the same for you today. He wants you to embrace God, who in Christ has chosen to embrace you. And then he wants you to walk in the way that he sets out for you day by day. To put it as Jesus does, he wants you not only to hear his words, but to act on them, to continue in his word so that you are truly his disciple, so that you know the truth and are set free by him. Jesus wants all of us to say yes and then to come to the banquet. If you've always thought that religion wasn't for you, today it's time for you to see that Jesus is not religion and he is for you. He is the living Lord who is gracious and the friend of people like you and me. And you need to respond to that tug in your heart, which is his spirit at work in you right now and come to the banquet. If you've had faith before, but it's grown dim and cold, it's time to ask God to reignite the flames and come to the banquet. It's time to accept the invitation and then show up at the table. That's what God wants. Listen, to show up at the table means to entrust yourself completely to Jesus. To show up means to forsake every pathway that leads away from God to repent and commit your allegiance and obedience to Jesus alone. To take your seat at the banquet means to love God with all your heart and strength and mind and soul. And listen now, and to love your neighbor as yourself, whoever your neighbor is. Now, right here, is where the challenge gets specific for the folks around that table, and I hope for each one of us too. The challenge to love our neighbors. This is where Jesus challenges me and you. The group gathered at the Pharisee's house loved God, but they also wanted to withhold love from certain neighbors. Do you know what that feels like? There were folks who they didn't want to be invited to the banquet, and Jesus knew it. 
So he takes his story a step further to press them on their inclination to exclude certain neighbors from God's table. If there is even a small hint of that inclination in you, don't hide it, but uncover it now. After the slave in Jesus' story hears the excuses of that first group, he returns to the host. This is verse 21. So the slave returned and reported this to his master, and then the owner of the house became angry. Of course he did. Who wouldn't be angry at this kind of disregard? But now watch this. And he said to his slave, go out at once into the streets and lanes of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Does that list sound familiar? The people who are invited by the host in Jesus' parable are the very same people whom Jesus instructed the folks at the table to invite into their homes whenever they throw a banquet. Don't exclude, Jesus says. This is what loving your neighbor as yourself looks like. Welcome the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Embrace these neighbors as you want to be embraced. With this list, Jesus is saying something sharp that is lost without some background. Everyone around that table will know that with this list, Jesus is modifying a vision for God's future banquet that had been developing for seven centuries. First, it was the prophet Isaiah who painted a picture of the banquet that would one day be hosted by the Messiah, a feast of rich food on the mountain of the Lord. A banquet where sorrow would be replaced by joy, where conflict would give way to peace, where every shame and regret would be forever removed, every tear wiped away, every grief healed by God's own touch. Death itself would be swallowed up by the God of life at that banquet. Who will be there at the table? Who gets invited? Listen carefully to how Isaiah puts it in chapter 25, verse 6. On this mountain, Isaiah writes... The Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food. There is no ambiguity there, not just the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but the Gentiles too, the very ones that the people of Israel were inclined to separate from. They also get seats at God's table in the end. Isaiah's vision is beautiful in its depiction of the breadth of God's grace It is for everyone. But sadly, for many in Israel, it was too broad. Two centuries before Jesus, Isaiah's vision was officially narrowed in the book of Enoch. Surely the men around the table with Jesus would have known of it in Enoch's vision. The Gentiles are present, but not to sit down for the meal as in Isaiah's vision. They've been invited in order to be eliminated by the angel of death destroyed before the people of Israel are permitted to eat. Quite a shift from Isaiah, but not the last one. By the time Jesus has arrived 
Yet another version has been written, this one by the community of religious separatists who moved away from Jerusalem to live in the caves by the Dead Sea, the Qumran community. In their rule of faith, the organizing document for their community, they had their own version of the banquet. This time, not only are the Gentiles excluded, but so are the descendants of Abraham who have not maintained a proper level of righteousness as defined by the community itself. And there's a list of who will not be in attendance. This is a direct quote from their rule of life. No one can attend the banquet who is smitten in the flesh or paralyzed in his feet or hands or lame or blind or deaf or dumb. Now, can you hear the challenge Jesus is giving through his parable to the men around that table? You think you will all be at the banquet, Jesus is saying. But it's the very people who you want to exclude who will take their seats first. Because God has invited all people to his table, and when you try to shut people out, you will only end up excusing yourselves in the end. If you want to join my banquet, Jesus is saying, which you should, you will have to take your seat beside the very people whom you would like to keep away. Now, here is a challenge for us. And it's particular, and none of us should shy away from it. The decision Jesus is setting before you with his parable is either to embrace or exclude. You either embrace God's invitation for you and then embrace all others whom God has also invited to his table, or you exclude those who don't meet your standards, and in the process, you exclude yourself as well. Embrace or exclude. The choice is yours. Jesus wants this to be personal for each one of us. So you must ask, who would I like to keep away? Which guests would make it hard for me to want to join the banquet? Listen now. If you are going to walk with Jesus and one day sit at the table where he is the host, you will have to answer this question because each of us will have our own list. Like the Qumran community did, people who we are sure should be excluded. If I accept Jesus as my Lord, then he turns my list into the first step in my work of learning to follow him. He says to me, gently but with true authority, your first task is to humbly and graciously open your heart to the very ones you don't want to include. Otherwise, you will close your heart to the host of the banquet who has made a feast of rich food for all people. Who's on your list? Every news story I've read this week wants me to draw up a list of people to exclude. Who is it for you right now? 
Is it the people who won't wear masks or the ones who think everyone should? The people who want to open things up already or the ones who want to keep things closed? Is it those liberal Democrats or the right-wing Republicans? The people who are crying out for racial justice or the ones who say there's no systemic racism in America? Tr try to get it in your mind now who is on your list. The ones you wouldn't want to sit with at God's table. If we are going to walk the path Jesus is pushing us toward, then we are going to have to give up trying to exclude others from the banquet and embrace whoever God chooses to include. Look at what happens in the conclusion of the story which Jesus tells. Verse 22. And the slave said, Sir, what you ordered has been done, and there is still room. Then the master said to the slave, Go out into the roads and lanes and compel people to come in so that my house may be filled. That's what God wants, to have everyone at his table, to see it all together filled. And there is a seat for everyone. Whether we show up depends in part on whether we try to take control of the guest list ourselves or rather leave it up to the host. And what Jesus wants for you and for me and for everyone is to leave the guest list in his hands. Listen to the warning at the end of Jesus' story. This is verse 24. For I tell you, none of those who were invited will taste my dinner. Embrace or exclude others and yourself. The choice is yours. And now I'm going to ask you to join your heart with me as we ask together for help from the host who is gracious to all of us even now. Let's join our hearts together in prayer. God, we thank you that each and every time we open ourselves up to Jesus, we are both challenged and comforted. I thank you for the challenge and the nature of it, which we've received in this parable this morning. The call to have our hearts open to all people who God chooses to invite. Forgive us for sharpening our swords against one another. Help us lay down our arms and welcome one another as you have welcomed us. So that we all can grow, we need that now, Jesus Please help us. And then we thank you also for the comfort that you give us 
which comes through this story, which teaches us that you have given an invitation to every one of us and you still hold the door open for every one of us and there is room even now for us at the banquet. God, would you please help us leave behind our efforts to exclude others and instead to receive your embrace of each and every one of us right where we are and give us the peace and joy that comes with being with you and everyone else who you have invited. God, help us be free of the wrong thought that our enemies are one another, and instead, help us recognize our being united in your gift for all of us against the enemy which seeks to divide. Strengthen us in humility and grace now. In Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. Amen. Amen.